Welcome to Paper Quest. I'm Jesse. And I'm James. And we're two friends teaming up in our ongoing quest through the Infinite Library. Each episode, we get together to discuss our latest buddy read, swap stories on our recent solo reads, and talk about the upcoming books we look forward to reading next. This is Paper Quest. Alright, so do you want to start us off with your books that you've been reading the last two weeks? Sure. Or we'll go back and forth, I guess. Yeah. So, the one, the first book that I am reading is called The Wives by Tatum Fisher. And it's basically about a woman who is in an arrangement with her husband where she is one of three wives. And she sees her husband on Thursdays. And she doesn't know the other wives. It's not like, um, you know, a... It is a polygamous situation, but not in the religious sense. It's... um, Is this modern day? Modern day. Okay. And so she sees him every Thursday. She doesn't know her, you know, what would be sister wives, and just thinks of them as Monday and Tuesday. So he's, like, away. (laughs) Monday and Tuesday... She's never met them. She doesn't know their names. She's never seen a picture of them. Um, And it's almost like they have a long-term or a long-distance relationship in a sense that he's like just comes back that night. Um, And so I'm maybe only like 30 pages in. But basically what happens, and this is on the back cover, is that she finds in his pocket the name of another woman. And... It's like an appointment card, I think. Um, and she can only assume that that is either Monday or Tuesday. And so she goes to find this woman and finds this woman battered and bruised. And so she starts thinking, like, who am I actually married to? Like, it's quite concerning. So she, um, you know, is trying to kind of dive into who this person is that she's sleeping next to. Is this a book you knew about or did you seek it out? or? Um, I saw someone talk about it. Um, okay. And I'm very intrigued to see where it goes. The writing is fast and interesting, um, and it's from her point of view. And you can kind of see how she's like, she's jealous, but she's trying not to be. And she's, you know, she's made this bed and now she has to lie in it type of thing. Okay, interesting. That's that's a story. Yeah. All right. Uh, my first one I'll mention is Legion. So one of my all-time favorite authors is Brandon Sanderson, typically known for fantasy. He did this book. Well, he did a, a trilogy of novellas, and they put it together into one book. This man named Legion has multiple hallucinations. He forms entire people with their own skills and thoughts and you know things that help him in his life, whether it be in everyday life or in cases that he's trying to solve when people hire him. So, for example, if he needs to learn a different language, he could pick up a Spanish dictionary, flip through it, see a few words, and in his mind, he makes up this entire brand new person that to him is completely real, can speak the entire Spanish language, and he can listen to this person translate, um, listen to this person translate for him, and people just think he's, like, genius level, and, I mean, technically he is, but he's clearly got something wrong with him. But Brendan Sanderson says in the beginning 
that he's trying to shed a good light on issues like hallucinations and stuff. He wants to make a story that is um, that shows it in a positive, strong way, as opposed to something that's like their downside or downfall that hinders them throughout the story. And it's weird because he his mind has to keep track of so much. Like one of his hallucinations is a gun expert, and that hallucination at one point shoots a gun and puts a bullet hole in the ceiling. And Legion gets mad because he has to basically remember going forward that hole is there until in his mind he remembers to, like, quote-unquote repair it. There's another scene where Legion has this friend or this acquaintance who understands that Legion is just the way his mind works. So he plays along with it. And not in a mean way, he just plays along with it to make it easier for Legion. So he had a wrapped ice cream bar. And he asks Legion if any of his hallucinations wants any of his hallucinations want ice cream, and he says, "Sure, yeah, this person does." But he gets frustrated because then he throws it to nobody, just where it's supposed to stand. So his mind has to handle that. So in his mind, he sees the real ice cream fall to the ground because it has to. There's no one there. But then it splits off, so a second ice cream bar is caught by his hallucination, and the hallucination goes, "I didn't want to." Like, he has to, like, compensate for everything going on around him, both fake and real. So, it's really interesting. Um, it wasn't my favorite. It, like, the the story itself wasn't my favorite. The ideas behind it and all the mechanics he has to make up for the hallucinations, extremely fascinating. The only thing I don't like is the story being told. I just wasn't into the cases he was doing. Mm. But I can read the mechanics all day long, because the more you read it and the more you see how his mind works, it really is fascinating. I thought it was awesome. That sounds really cool. All um, right, what's your next one? Yeah, so the other thing I'm reading is, and I've talked about this on our previous podcast, is I'm still working my way through Zodiac Academy by Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti. And um, basically, it's these two twins... Tori and Darcy, and they are fighting for a throne and trying to find their place in this world of Fae. They didn't know that they were changelings, um, and they were brought back, and they are princesses and super powerful, and um, they're, at this point, um, which is book five, is they are trying to navigate the political side of things. So they are adults, they're over 18, um, and... There's a political part, but then there's also romances. And basically, um, fate gives them choices. And in this world, because it is Zodiac-based, like you make a, a choice under a certain set of stars, and that's going to change your whole trajectory. Okay. And um, they're basically asked to make choices that can't be undone. And they have to live with the ramifications of those choices. Okay. And this was... This is the series that's finished that has eight has eight books. Yes. Okay. So you're halfway through. Yes. And so when I finished Zodiac Academy 4, it was one of those moments where, like, I'm in utter shock, practically crying, and, like, I need to read the next, like, start the next <laughs> one to see what happens. Um, so it's definitely gripping. Like, they, they have done a good job, and there's a lot of characters. And the, kind of like you were saying with all of his... Um, you know, hallucinations and having to handle them. It's kind of the same for me with Zodiac Academy with all these different 
magic pieces mm. and how they fit together and how they inform one another. Okay. Is just really fascinating. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd ever read it, but I am very curious to know the detail because I'm all about world building and magic systems. I would be very curious to see how a zodiac based magic system works. That's very cool. Does it like does it take like, does it take personality or what does it do? It kind of is all intertwined. Um, so as a so they're Gemini twins, and as Gemini is born in a specific time in a specific region and whatever the stars were aligned, they then have these specific chosen, um, they don't call them mates, but basically like they have mates and they get to decide if that is the person they want to be tied to forever based on the stars. They also have enemies, um, and they have, um, you know, their powers are heightened at certain times or they're weaker at certain times. And... They could have been, um, so both of their parents are certain types of creatures and they had never met them. And so everyone thought that they would come out as one of those two types. Um, and they didn't. So they're, you know, they, they basically were born in a spot that just makes them powerful as themselves, but then they're also politically powerful because they're royalty. Okay. I don't think I asked last time, is this its own world or is it a version of Earth? It's its own world. Okay, cool. All right, so my next book is Crossings by Alex Landragon. I mentioned this book previously. I called it a choose-your-own-adventure book, which is actually, now that I've read it, incorrect. It is an alternate reading sequence book. There is a preface, which I, of course, didn't skip because I wanted to make sure I knew what was going on. But as you start reading the preface, you realize even the preface is also fake. It's also fictional. The author states that he didn't write this book. He stole this book from the Baroness. There is this Baroness who spends a lot of money on having books bound by the author. The author is fictionally a bookbinder. So she'll send the materials she wants, like really high-end like animal leather, whatever. And she will send manuscripts to bind. And she sends three manuscripts that she wants in a single volume. And that's the volume of The Crossings. The first manuscript is a fictional story written by a fictional author inside this book. Inside this fictional world the preface is creating. The second one is a noir story in which the characters are trying to find the manuscript that is the first book you read. And then the third story kind of explains why it's called The Crossings and what a crossing is. You can read each story as is, one, two, three, or you can read it in the Baroness sequence. The Baroness dies before the book is officially bound, so he decides to publish it for the world to read, basically. And the Baroness sequence, you start on page, like, 150, and it's like, so this is the end of my story, blah, 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 and he starts to write, the character starts to write the story you're about to read. So you jump back and forth between pages... And it tells a full story, and you see how it all intertwines. So a crossing is certain people are skilled enough to look into your eyes almost in a hypnotic way. And after a few minutes, they can switch consciousness with you. Like, they can take over your body, you take over theirs. And this person loses their loved one accidentally uh, when when these sailors show up to their island, their their little-known island. And there's an accidental crossing... And her loved one becomes a sailor, 
and ships off. So she spends most of her life trying to find the sailor, so on and so forth, without giving you spoilers. She starts crossing into other bodies, and she feels guilty about it. But she... Because, you know, I mean, you're, you're ruining someone's life, basically. So the book intertwines between the, these three stories. And as you get further into the book, you realize how and why they're connected. Because the first story is a fictional fake story. Mm -hmm. The second one is a noir story. And the third one is one of the more major characters' journey of trying to find her loved one. So... It was it was it was a fantastic book. I think it was seventy five pages too long because once you realize what's going on, it gets slightly repetitive towards the end, and you kind of know how it's gonna wrap up to a degree. I would still highly recommend it, but slightly too long for the sameness that it gets towards the end. So hypothetically, you could read this book multiple times. You could read it twice. It, it says you can read it like a normal book, page one to page whatever. Or you can read it in the Baroness sequence, and it gives you the sequence. Okay. Or at the, end, at the end of each chapter, so you're not referring back to the sequence. It just tells you what, what page to go to next. Interesting. Yeah. And it's not confusing at all? Uh, it's it's not confusing whatsoever. It makes perfect sense. Um, you just... The way they do it, it, you start in Manuscripts 2, then you go to 1, and then 3, and then okay. 2, and then 1, and then 3. So once you meet the characters and get to know them, you can start following it much easier. And you... It doesn't take long to see the connections, and you start to understand why this pattern exists, and you're like, okay, this is this works. Like, this is telling something really interesting. You learn things sooner than you would had you read it normally. If you read it normally, by the time you finish the third one, you'd have to think about the past two and realize where they slot in, and you're like, wow, that's that takes a lot of work to do. <laughs> that's really clever. Great. So I have one more book that I'm reading, and I'm very excited about it. Um, it is going to show just how strange I am, which is fine. Um, it's called Long Live the Queen by Brian Kazaleski. Okay. It is basically 23 rules for how Queen Elizabeth II, the current Queen of England, um, lives her life and lives it so well. So she... Real world? Like this is nonfiction? Real rules? Yeah. Okay. Um, so she is in her late 90s. Her mother lived to be 101. Her husband lived to be 99. Um, and the author is putting it down to this kind of formulaic way of living life that is based around moderation. So, like, people will attend state dinners or parties or whatever with the queen and comment about how little she eats or how she never eats <laughs> dessert or whatever. Okay. But the reason she never eats dessert is because every day, no matter where she is in the world, what she's doing, at 5 p.m., she goes and has her tea and her pastries, and so she's knows it's coming, can wait for it, you can set your clock by it. Um, and so it's just kind of like this interesting peek into how someone who is so active and is, um, you know, at a, at a advanced age, but is still able to ride horses, and she enjoys a good drink and all of those things and um it really appealed to me because one i we've we've mentioned this but i do really enjoy british royal history um but also i would like to live a life that i can truly <laughs> enjoy when i'm that old hopefully yeah i'm actually didn't know they lived that old that's very impressive for the time well and genetically it doesn't it doesn't track like her Queen Victoria, who was her great 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 
grandmother or whatever, was as wide as she was tall. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so she, this is kind of something that they've put in place in, in more recent aristocracy. Okay. That is very interesting. I like that a lot. So what what are... Did, you're reading it or you finished it? I'm reading it. Okay. How many of the 23 have you gone through? Uh, four. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what is the most interesting of the four you've read so far? Um, the tea time was really interesting. The one I just read, though, last night was that um, when they cook food for her and stuff, because obviously she has people to prepare things for her, um, they always make everything bite-sized. And she basically the premise is that they make it hard on purpose when eating so like it's polite to instead of cutting your roll in half and like buttering it to pull off a small piece of the roll butter it and then take that bite and then do that over and over again so they they're drawing out the process so your brain has a chance to catch up and know that you're full okay that's something i need to learn which is probably never going to happen but. <laughs> <laughs> all right so I only have one other book to talk about. I don't have much to say. It is um, one of the Dresden Files books. I started reading the, um, the the Dresden series. It's like a mystery crime novel series, but it's it's based in Earth. He work the 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 wizard Dresden works with the Chicago Police Department on cases that might have a fantastical element to them. This one, uh, they're they're all they're they're good so far. They're this one's uh, a werewolf case. I don't have much to state because it's nothing mind blowing. They're just enjoyable, quick reads. So I'm that's the one I'm currently reading now. I should probably finish the next day or so. And then I read the novella that comes before the series, in which you you learn how he first started working with the police department. Um, so it's it's just an enjoyable. They're just enjoyable, quick quick reads. Not much to state. Nice. All right. So do you want to tell us about the buddy book we read? Yeah, so this for this episode, we read The Silent Patient, which is by Alex Michaelides, and he has actually only written this book and a book called The Maidens, which I have also read, and The Maidens is Dark Academia. Um, and so I was really interested to read this one because, not that they are connected, but they're kind of in the same realm that this author is creating, um, and there is a... In The Maidens, there is an Easter egg to The Silent Patient, but I hadn't read that one. So I was really interested to see where that connection was. So if you want, we can get into the buddy book summary. you want to read your summary? Sure. Alicia Berenson is an artist, the type of artist that can speak to the depths of your soul, although she isn't in league with Da Vinci or Picasso. That is, until she murders her loving husband in cold blood. Theo is her newly appointed psychoanalyst, and he has one goal, to convince Alicia to speak after six years of silence. She is a riddle to be solved, and Theo will go to any length to find peace for both of them. All right, so we will move into full spoiler territory. And where do you want to start? Any specific point? Something that I noticed right away about the writing is that, well, firstly, this story is written primarily from two points of view, that of Alicia, who, as we mentioned in the summary, is this artist, and Theo, who is a man who becomes her psychoanalyst. Mm -hmm. And something I noted about Theo in his 
um, as he's in his sections where he's telling the story, is very early. Um, I noted that the writing starts to feel excited and manic. And he pauses and at one point literally says that he needs to slow down and tell the story step by step. And it was interesting because as I was reading it, it, I felt the pace picking up and being like, oh my gosh, he's stressed out. And then he said like, hold on, let me pause. Yeah. So he doesn't really talk about himself until like a a chapter or two in basically. He's like, he's so excited to tell the reader what he discovered or what he's doing that he just can't handle himself. Yes. And it should be noted that because Alicia at this point has already um, murdered, murdered her husband, all of her dialogue comes from her journal entries. So one of the weird issues that I had right off the bat with this book, the author clearly wanted to tell Alicia's point of view, but they couldn't have Alicia speak given the nature of the book. So she has these diary entries that are spread throughout the book, and we find the real diary later on. But the diary entries aren't written like a diary. It's written like a book. Like, she has the exact lines everyone says. It's the format. is like a book format. And I'm just, it, it kind of threw me off. I was like, this doesn't read like a diary. It's not like, my friend or family member said this, and this is how I felt. There's one point where she knows that someone's inside the house, right, towards mm-hmm. the end. And the journal entry is like, wait, now there's someone in the house. There, there's something happening. And it's like, you're not writing this journal in real time. It's You're writing this after the fact. But it's all written as if it's happening now, like a book. And every time I read a journal, it was really strange. Like, I didn't like that part of the book whatsoever. Yeah, I definitely had, um, and this will come up when we talk about our ratings, but there was some confusion for me uh, just about like where where things fit and who, I guess just like, time. There was some conception of time and conception of when she was writing in comparison to when Theo was taking care of her that didn't fit for me. Mm -hmm. And really like I I sat there and had to try and figure out how those pieces were fitting together. Yeah. If you think too hard, any book in existence has plot holes and that's just the way it is. It wasn't massive enough that it took anything away. Um, too much, but I also had that thought of like, well, if she's writing about this part of her life now, when did she find the time to do this? Or like, what was she, she must've been writing the journal post murder during all the trials. And then we found out that she sneaks it into the asylum or the, the unit, um, we do find out at the very end how she snuck it in. Cause that part drove me crazy. I was like, this guy couldn't bring in anything. And she somehow snuck in a journal with, quite honestly, a ton of evidence, right. a ton of details. No one found this in the six or seven years that... So there were certain things where I'm like, well, it's a story. I just got to go with it. <laughs> yeah. I will say the the kind of biggest pain point for me was like, it was an awful hospital. Like mm-hmm. the things that were going on that were either just like accepted or... Yeah, there was just... As far as actual hospital standards go, they were a mess and should not have been allowed to continue to operate. (laughs) Which they technically don't at the end. They're like, well, we're shutting this place down because there's been too many incidents and this place is old and we're building a whole brand new facility, but also we'd like you to run it. And it's like, well, you want the same people that couldn't do this one to potentially go work at a new one. Uh, I guess I just don't understand when they're opening a new place. 
they're 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 clearly going to move patients into other locations. Right. But then are these people out of a job? Or are they going to work at the new places? Because none of them are fired. They're just saying that we have to close this facility down. So these patients are these still going to be treated the same way? They're they're still going to have um, Theo is supposed to run the whole place and. Um, I mean, I guess at the end he gets arrested, so that's going to change. But their their plan, before they realized that he was at fault for what's going on, seemed not the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we, when we first started the book, what did you think of, I guess, Theo? Because he's the first person we are hearing from. When you read the description of the book... It's it's about Alicia and solving her case. And then so much of the book seemed to be about Theo. It was like, okay, yeah, he's one of our main characters, so I guess we should know his background and the little details. But it got so in-depth. And I'm like, do I need to know this much? Like, his only job is to figure out Alicia's story. So getting every tiny bit of his past and history, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Which, of course, we know now is a major part of the story. But I was a little thrown off by him. I liked him. He he cared like he cared about everyone. He's like, why are you doing it this way? Why are you? Why is she so drugged up? Like she can't even think. If you even if you want her to talk, you, she's never going to. She's in a drug state. Like this is ridiculous. How are you running this facility? He tries to go behind people's back to get things done. He does kind of take like a a, a massive uh, like. He goes to investigate and talk to friends and family. Like, that's not his job. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. So he's doing things that are technically frowned upon. Um, but part of me was like, yes, please, because clearly no one else cares about this person. Yes. But So I did like him, but some things bothered me. Some of that was on purpose because you find out there's a twist at the end. Overall, I did like him. Um, I, was, I thought it was a little too convenient that he had a lot of the similar issues. Like, what are the chances Alicia has... This problem has a very similar background in history. And then this Theo guy grows up with a very similar background, gets the job that he does, gets a chance to work with Alicia. Like it all, it was very much like, oh, well, thank God he has so much, you know, in common. It's like, (laughs) I noted that he said toward the beginning of the book, um, he was talking about becoming a psychoanalyst. And um, he says that we're all crazy, I believe, just in different ways. And there was something about that that stuck with me of, like, I don't know, like, he needs to be watched. He's not as great as he does appear to care and, and have all these um, good traits as a psychoanalyst. Mm-hmm. And as as we continued on, we saw that he was more crazy than yeah first appeared. Yeah, it's hard because three-fourths of the book, you you form these solid opinions. But then the end, by the nature of the twist, changes everything. So everything I have to say was true up until the last few pages. And then it's like, well, my entire thought process on Theo has now changed. But like, So how do you separate what you've known for three-fourths of the book? And you're like, wait, all of my formed opinions now are just entirely... like, do Can I still say that the same things now, knowing that he took the job selfishly instead of selflessly. Like it, it changes every aspect. And you're like, well, I don't, I mean, yes, I did like Theo cause he wanted to do all these things. But then it was like, no, it was kind of selfish. But even after he's quote unquote solves the case or whatever you want to say, he still talks about, well, people are being treated bad. I do want to help others in this position. 
But I also kind of killed the one person I was trying to help on purpose. So where does that leave me with his thoughts? Like, he does want to help, but is he going to kill the next patient he helps? Mm -hmm. Just to hide the fact that he figured something out? Like, it's weird. It's really hard to... Well, and so you mentioned that we learn a lot about Theo and his life. And someone that we're introduced to in his life is his wife. So he is married to a woman named Kathy, and she is also in that creative space. She's a she's an actress, a stage actress. And he finds out that she is cheating on him. And not just cheating, like raunchy public cheating. Yep. Um, like not trying to really hide it at all. And until that cheating moment, I made a note of like, when he's talking about Kathy, his wife, he talks about how she's light and warm and full of color and laughter. And on the other side of it, when he talks about Alicia, his patient, um, there's like a depth of darkness, sadness, silence, and his tone kind of changes, which I thought was really interesting. And then when he does find out that he's cheating on her, no, she's cheating on him. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, he cracks up basically and goes and speaks to his own therapist who says, leave her. And he goes, no, I'm just going to accept it. Yeah. I'm just going to smoke some, some marijuana and, um, pretend I didn't see anything. Which is already a lie because he immediately tries to do something about it. Like he'll start following her and... Mm -hmm. Sometimes she's meeting with somebody she was telling the truth about, sometimes not. But there was a certain scene, probably towards the the latter, the um, the end of the book, where he finally decides to follow her, meets the guy that they're yep. cheating with, and he follows him back to his house. And he picks up like, a rock or a stone or something, and legitimately walks up behind the guy. And is getting ready to smash his brains out. And then later on, he says, either to himself or to the reader, he's like, I could never kill someone. Like, I just have to deal with this differently. Or I'm just like, well, five seconds ago, you were you were literally going to kill someone. Yeah. So, that was interesting. I don't know if that's him being crazy or weird writing. I, I'm not really sure. I think it was that... Because he would have succeeded if the neighbor hadn't come out. Or someone came out and distracted him and he had to hide real quick. Yes. So otherwise, he would have done it. Or, at that point, he was just fantasizing about doing it. And 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 so that means, what are we reading that he thinks he did? Because this isn't the author telling a story. It is his point of view. So things he's telling us could just be his interpretation. Yes. Which is interesting. Yes. Most of it, I think, is truth. But I think there's some things where we're not quite sure. Which is really cool. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And so Theo, like we said, he um, gets a job at the Grove where Alicia has been for six years and silent for six years. And so basically in her trial, from the moment her husband is dead and she's found, she stops talking. And the only time that she, quote unquote, communicates is by making this one final um, self-portrait of... Her and... The one with the burning building? Uh, no. 
The one that she makes before she goes to the grove. With her painting? Yeah, it's her painting, and then in the background there's like a small figure looking in the window. Oh, yeah, potentially a figure or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, it that is, I forget what it's called, I'm sure, if, I would say it wrong anyway, but she and she titles it based off this Greek tragedy where um, the 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 man the husband in this tragedy is said like hey you're gonna die or someone you love can die for you and the wife dies for him after nobody else would yeah Yeah. and then is brought back and and she doesn't speak again so alicia makes this painting and then never speaks again and she doesn't speak up in her defense she doesn't say she did or did not do it she doesn't say um anything this is actually one question that i wanted to ask you specifically i haven't decided yet if it's an i wouldn't say it's an issue you had of the book because i maybe you're interpreting it different than i am first of all without a doubt there is something slightly mentally wrong with her like that's not in question with her yeah. background and stuff is her silence by choice do you think is there any chance that any part of it is by choice I think her silence is by choice. I think it was mostly by choice as well. Um, and then I think she got used to it and just kept doing it. Cause it just seems weird that, I mean, first of all, killing your husband after having led a pretty normal life, relatively speaking, right? Obviously traumatic. There's no way around that. But to not speak up at all in your own defense or say, hey, this guy broke into my house and tied us to chairs first and held us at gunpoint. Yes, at the end, he... He, he told me what was going on. Like, I was never in danger. But this thing still happened. He still left me a gun. He still gave me every possible chance to kill my husband. And I'm in the heat of the moment. I'm going to do something I'm not used to doing or I'm not expected to do. So, I, I feel like I would have to say something. Like, at the end of the day, you killed someone. But somebody handed you a gun, had your husband tied to a chair, and you're running in all this adrenaline being, like, basically held hostage in your house... And you don't say any of that. You're just like, I killed him. You know, it just happened. Like, no big deal. (laughs) I think that part of it, and I'm not a a great understander. I don't know. I don't know a lot about Greek tragedy. Oh, no, I don't either. Yeah, that's Um, a horrible subject for me. But I think part of it was that as, just as Alicia, she already has... A history of when her father died, she had a, a, a psychotic break. And so she's already been medicated. Her diary entries leading up to the murder, um, at least to me, show anxiety and depression and paranoia. Mm-hmm. And then she actually is being followed, but she has a history of feeling like she's paranoid already. And that's medically documented, or she thinks it's medically documented somewhere. So I just think, like, would they believe her? But also, my gripe there is that, like, she was bound, and it is written in present day, as far as I can tell. And, like, I don't know anything about British police, because that's where they are. But in American police shows, at least they would, like, check her for injuries and... Like, there were two chairs. There would be all the forensics. There were two chairs. They were both tied to chairs back to back. Yeah, they, they, there would be some, they wouldn't, 
the way it was written, it seemed like a done deal. The the cop or whoever walked in saw Alicia with the like the wire, the bound wire. Yeah. She was bleeding from the wrist at first. I was like, maybe she was cutting herself, whatever. But there would be some way to prove they wouldn't. I guess it's possible there's a way they would have just taken the word because she's she's not defending herself and they see a dead man tied to a chair and she's not and she has a gun. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in there, there would have been a full investigation, whether whether she talked, whether she didn't, whether anything was proved or denied. But again, it could have just been open and shut. I don't know. Sometimes things don't go the way they're supposed to. Sometimes things are pushed under the rug. So maybe it was that situation. Yeah. And so her trial happens, she's found guilty of the murder, and she is placed into the grove because they deem her insane, basically. Yeah. Um, because she won't speak and she, she won't say what, I, what actually happened. And so Theo, the ever-helpful psychoanalyst, mm-hmm. um, before he even... So he gets a job there. But he definitely already has a preoccupation with her. He knows of her art. He thinks she's prolific, like an amazing artist. Um, and there's a couple times where people are like, oh, her art's not for me. And he's like mortally wounded over that type of statement. Like he's like, oh, you're, you must be a moron. Well, what's interesting is like you said, he had a... He, so he has, he has a full-time job, right? And he can even... It's either move up or move somewhere new. Mm-hmm. And he specifically states, I want to take this case at the Grove. Then one of his bosses or whatever says, well, that place is kind of failing. There's talks of it shutting down. It's a difficult case. Like, why would you leave this perfect, well, you know, this great full-time job to potentially go nowhere with this seven-year-old client? Um, and also, might you lose your job in a few months? And I was just thinking... I, I don't understand why. Like, I'm sure he is one of many psychotherapists throughout the world that found Alicia's case fascinating. And anyone would have taken that on. But there's a point where it's like, do I take this case on out of pure fascination to potentially lose whatever money I'm making now, whatever job I have now, on the failing grove that's getting ready to close down? I was like, this seems kind of wacko. Like, why would you ever do that? <laughs> well, and also, he was hired to the grove. He wasn't hired to Alicia so he could work there and there would still be a chance that he would never interact with her yeah when he gets there he has to like slip his way into that case it's like nothing was it was all guesswork like Mm -hmm. he had to do everything himself so and so when he gets there he does um ask and you know works his way to be able to work with her and we come to find out that um a co-worker from a previous location is his or is Alicia's psychologist? Yeah. Christian is a man who can prescribe her medication, and he has medicated her up to her eyeballs, and she is like, not she has no idea what's going on and where she is, and so Theo's first, you know, stand as his, as the new guy in in the hospital is to reduce her medication, mm-hmm. and so he gets that done and and everyone there is like bro like she's crazy except for one who always agrees always agrees with him yes and they're like you're not going to fix it you're not going to get anything from this you know sure reduce your medication but it's not going to work basically 
And so they reduce the medication and he has his first meeting with her and they just sit in silence for the whole hour. Yep. And so at that point, were you like, this is going to work? She's going to talk? I mean, if you're going to metagame it with it being a book, you know, it's going to work eventually. The problem that I have is that the only reason that he succeeds in this case, the only reason is because he did everything he wasn't supposed to. He did everything outside the hospital. He had to talk to friends, family members. Don't get me wrong. It's great. And it worked. And I hate to say this, but that's not his job. Like they said multiple times, you've got to stop doing this. This is literally not your job. And you can't just, you can't call, you you can't just call up friends family members show up to their houses. I mean, he basically trespassed at one point and got knocked out. So if taking Theo out of the picture, whoever worked on her case the last six, seven years, I don't know if it was just Christian or if anyone else was involved, they would have never succeeded because they would have never gone outside their job to do the investigation because they're not allowed to. Right. So is Theo oh so great and amazing because, wow, he is the one that got Alicia to talk. And he's so much better than all these other psychotherapists that came before him. It's like, well, yeah, but only because he did illegal stuff. Like, he wasn't supposed to, like, if Christian did that, he probably would have succeeded too. Like, <laughs> Which kind of shows, like, this, you know, Theo does come off as very empathetic and caring and wants to do the right thing and kind of, I guess, hopeful. But he will do whatever he wants. Right. And that's that's concerning to me. Yeah. And it's not that fun, heroic, like, he did what was right and needed to be done. It's like, no, you're clearly going against what's what's correct here. Yes. And then um, they had their second session. Mm-hmm. And she has, not, at this point, her medicine is lower. She has some more clarity happening. And they sit for, I don't know, 55 minutes. And then she attacks him. Yep. What were your thoughts on that? So this is the this is the one where she holds him down. Yeah, because there's a few attacks. This is the one where the the, the uh, he can get the button. He presses the button in time, right? And they drag yeah. him off. They yeah. drag her off of him. Um, so I was hoping up until this point, this is before we know too much about her, right? So I was hoping up until this point she was just being silent and sane. But after this attack, I was like, yeah, unfortunately, there's something wrong with her. Like, she's not getting out of this hospital with her freedom like she's she is clearly messed up that sucks i was really hoping it was like a sane silence like she had some big secret that would have changed everything and she just couldn't say it so she she sacrificed her own life just to live it out here but after you start seeing the attacks it's like yeah no she's definitely messed up well so what's interesting is because i was taking my notes real time yeah um so like as as it happened i would stop and take a note and i wrote that they Although the attack felt very brutal and sudden, it also felt like it might have been an act to get, you know, either him removed from her case or go back to having her medicine or something like that um, than actually being at him specifically, which I found out was completely wrong. So... Yeah. (laughs) This is one of those stories where you can't solve the mystery as you go because there is information hidden from you. Yes. Well, and it's from his point of view. So mm-hmm. him him being attacked, you know, doesn't give us what she's thinking at all. Yeah. Other than like I you know, he may have said like, "Oh, she smiled" or like 
she had a look in her eye or something. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the attack is because she realizes um, what it, it's something about the way he speaks or his eyes or something that she notices. Said, yeah, he said something. Yeah, um, and so she attacks him because she's like, oh, this is the guy that broke into my house. I recognize him now. Yeah. Um, she didn't at first, but he says something that triggers it. And yeah, so it'd be... It, I didn't think I was going into, like, a huge mystery novel, so I wasn't like, oh, I couldn't solve it on my own. But everything that you learn is either hidden or false until the end. So it was kind of hard to play along with the book, but I was okay because the twist was really fun. So did you think... Let's let's play a little who done it. <laughs> did you think Alicia committed the murder at the start of the book? Uh, I did not... Until the craziness started coming out, I thought it was one of those setups like, well, the gun was next to her and she was yes. bleeding, and oh, maybe she wasn't binding him, maybe she was unbinding him. Yes. So, but it didn't take long to realize that it wasn't going to be that. So I, I felt the same way, and I basically my next section of notes is uh, thinking everyone did it. So <laughs> um, we find out that Christian, who was her previous psychiatrist psychologist, um had treated her before she was, um, when her husband was still alive. So they had a previous history. So I was like, uh, it was him. Yep. We also come to find out that her brother-in-law is in love with her and he's kind of scary. Like everyone seems to perceive him as scary for some reason. And he's a great businessman. Yeah. He's the business guy with the, with the wife. Yes. Secretary. Yes. And, um, he, made advances to her in the past, um, before the murder. And she threatens to tell him what happened and that he kissed her, I guess. Um, and then also her gallery owner. Uh, yeah. So he's French. I apologize to all of France. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jean Felix, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They make it, make him, in my opinion, he came off as being really bad and kind of narcissistic. And um, they specifically say he's in love with her art, not her. Yeah. Um, because he does, she does make that painting after the murder has happened. And he, you know, makes bank from displaying it. Yeah. Um, and so I literally thought it was everyone. <laughs> I was like, oh, he did it. He did it. Then we find out she has a cousin who has gambling issues and mommy issues and i was like well he must have done it well it's one of those things where because the main character is telling us a story not the author the main character has the ability to make us think whatever he wants like oh this guy christian that i hate what are the chances that he's here what is he doing he's so drugged up she must have a secret about him it's like but he he plays us the entire time he he plays with the story until you realize what happens yeah and i guess that was my not problem, but where the shock came in was that Theo was tricking us as the narrator, and I couldn't wrap my head around whether or not he himself was believing what we were seeing in the story. That's So every time I have a thought about the story, I always want to say, I have this issue that's not an issue or a problem. It's just like I have to say, like everything is like so convoluted. It's like... It's not a negative. It doesn't dock a star from their view, but it's just like something you have to say because it's weird or strange or, you know, 
this isn't a bad thing. I just have to say blah, blah, blah. Like, it, that that's this whole book. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I wanted to point out is a solid middle portion of the book is basically the investigation, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing now what you know, that he knew the story the entire time. He knew exactly what happened. How did you feel about his investigation? Because I felt like it was kind of point. Like I thought the middle point, the middle section of the book was pointless. I was like, "Well, well, you were you knew. Like, why did you? Like, we we know that the 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 final investigation is he talks to the guy on the roof. They go up to the roof, and he's like, "This is where she first heard her dad say, I wish, I wish you were dead instead of my wife.' Basically, and that was the day she quote unquote died inside. Right. Yes. So, I guess my question to you is this." How important was it for him to do this investigation? How useless does it feel once you read the twist? The he he needed that phrase to trigger Alicia, but is that really what made Alicia talk? I, I feel like she just started talking because she wanted to. Like, was that really a trigger for her? Did she did this investigation was needed? I don't know. I don't think it was needed. I think he enjoyed it. I think he was relishing what he had done, and trying to understand you know he so we've mentioned numerous times the twist if you know hopefully you've read it theo commits the murder or commit theo accomplice a very heavy accomplice yeah (laughs) he he gets her to commit murder yeah um and he has stalked her and he has um you know this kind of obsession with her but not stalked because he's in love, just stalked because he's trying to figure out about the husband who's doing the cheating with the wife. Yes. Yeah, so actually, he's really stalking the husband. She just happens to be part of it. Like, yeah. He uses her as a sort of jumping off point of like, well, this one man is affecting both of our lives. You are now interconnected in this. I don't want to kill the guy but I can probably get you to do it and yes. you can take the fall. So it's not like I'm obsessed with you because I love you. It's like I can kind of use you for my own means. And from what I can tell, at when the murder occurred, he didn't know her history. He didn't know... N- nobody. Right, she was a nobody. He had never met her brother-in-law. He had never met all of these people that he interacts with um, because, it, you know... This is the first time they're like, oh, hello, how, you know. He just I'm watches so-and-so. her from afar. Yeah. Sits on just, the bench or in the woods or the whatever across the street. Yeah, he's just a massive creeper. Yeah. Trying to, trying to, you know. He's sitting there planning. He's just staring for an hour through a window. I think what he's doing is he's getting the schedule. When does the husband leave? When does he come back? And then the one time he does go into the house, the husband happens to be late. And then the whole murder scene happens. Right. And so I think... I think maybe he's just that twisted that he wants to learn more about this person he's now become obsessed with. I also think the whole book is about Theo. Like Alicia is yeah. just a part, and like it's the whole the, the book makes it seem like oh it's a, this case about Alicia who can't talk and shoots her husband in the face in the face five times, and it's like this whole book becomes a study in Theo. Yeah. The whole the whole premise is one big trick. Yeah. So it's at one point I was thinking that he was watching Alicia because he was sorry for her because they were in the same position. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're both being cheated on. I know it. You don't know it yet. But when you know it, you're going to feel like I do. And then we can commiserate. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't making sense, like, why he was 
go up to her, knock on the door, like say, hey, your husband's a jerk and my wife's a jerk. And, you know, there was he was just watching her. And I was or you confront your wife, which would be the very first thing you should do. Yes. Well, I did think instead of going to a complete stranger. Yeah. There is one thing that Theo and Alicia both shared, and it's this idea of, like, they keep things to themselves. So, Theo knows the wife is cheating, and multiple times he wants to say something, and then he makes a definitive statement as, I will now never tell her that I know, and I'm going to play these head games with her now. So, I think they they move, they settle in somewhere else, and... He will purposely say things to egg her on to hopefully get her to finally um, um, admit to it. Mm-hmm. And then she'll say a little white lie. And in his head, he's like, but I know. You can keep saying that, but we're going to play these head games until the day that literally one of us dies. And Alicia kind of has that same thing where she doesn't want any bad blood with her or her husband either. They both want. They both love their perfect on the outside relationships not looking in so he's playing head games trying to get to to admit something but doesn't want the relationship to end because he loves her in alicia's relationship she loves him so much that even when he can even when he thinks that she's imagining this stalker outside and sends him to his sends alicia to a therapist friend she pretends she isn't crazy. She says, well, I love my husband so much that if what it takes to stay with him is to pretend that I am actually crazy, that I am imagining this guy, then I will just take these pills. I will just go along with the story so that my life can continue being perfect on the outside, even though there's a shit ton of problems on the inside. They both have that same thing to them. I mean, could you imagine telling someone that, like, you're going to go along with everyone thinking you're crazy just so you don't end your relationship. It's insane. No, that's a very unhealthy yeah, relationship, it was, in my yeah. opinion. That was a very strange thing. But they both do that. Yeah, well, and you mentioned that they move. Um, Kathy and Theo move after the murder. And um, Kathy, his wife, is really depressed and puts on a lot of weight. Yeah. And <laughs> so he's talking about her. And in the same way that before I had read, like, oh, she's the light of his life. Now it was, like, utter disgust. Um, So I kind of only had one more thing that I thought was really interesting. Because the book was, just in general, really interesting. But that, like, caught me was that, besides thinking everyone was the murderer, um, we learn about Alicia's life and we learn that her mother died in a car accident when her mother drove into a wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about that at all. Yeah. And... Alicia, in her diary, says, I think she was trying to kill me, mm-hmm. not kill herself. And, you know, like you mentioned, the the father is mad and yelling at her and saying, you know, that she wishes, he wishes that Alicia had died. And he specifically screams, my poor girl, ab- about the mother dying, like in his, in his, um, you know, grieving his morning. Mm-hmm. And later, Max, the brother-in-law, uh, finds out that Alicia has, I think at this point, overdosed. Um, and he also says, my poor girl. And oh, wails like that. Yeah, okay. And when that happened, my brain went, he's not guilty. <laughs> because there was that, like, 
I don't I don't know what to call it, but that like literary connection mm-hmm. of like that was love in Alicia's mind. And so we're seeing it again repeated. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, he can't say those words and also kill her. Yeah. I don't know. There was he came off my list, but everyone else was still on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I did not make that connection. I didn't realize that was the same wording. But... I just think it's a weird phrasing, so it like stayed in my mind. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I totally believe that. Uh, so at the end, a few things happen. We find out that she did kill her own husband. We also find out that Theo is going to, um, put the blame on. Christian for silently killing Alicia. Yeah, so Alicia overdoses after talking. She finally talks. Mm-hmm. And he, it appears to be a, uh, her medicine overdose. But, um, and so it looks like it was Christian. Theo tells us, the reader, um, I'm like, she, he's holding her hand and feels like a prick where a needle will go in. And he's like, oh, my God, somebody drugged her and overdosed her and decided it has to be Christian because of all the reasons in the past. Like, he didn't like that. It came in and changed everything and took over his job. It had to be Christian. And he was the husband's friend. Mm Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, and obviously at that point, he's totally lying to us, the reader, which is hilarious, actually. But um, even when it isn't him... The blame is put on Christian. Christian is, uh, I think, I think we hear that he's let go or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alicia dies, and Alicia dies because she she realizes it's him, right? Or is it something in the journal? So yeah, she writes in the journal the next step of the story, and then he decides to kill her and find the journal so that nobody sees that next step in the story. Right. But then can't find it because it's hidden in the artwork. Right. No one can find the journal. And um, he had actually, again, being the good therapist he is, gotten permission for her to be allowed to paint. Mm-hmm. And so she makes this painting of him carrying her out of a fire. Right? Uh, out of a building on fire, which was presumably the grove. Presumably. Right. and M- Meaning... She wanted out, and he is her savior, maybe, is one interpretation. But knowing what we know now, do you have any other interpretations in that painting? I don't think he set the fire, and, and maybe she's dead. And, and took her out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but she wouldn't have known that yet. Because this is one of the this is the first painting she does when they give her utensils back. Right. So, I think at that time, she finds him to be maybe some sort of savior before she realizes it's him? I I feel like she had known at that point that it was the man who was following her or watching her. She was suspicious. Okay. Um, And that her painting was maybe that he was taunting her or trying to kill her. or mm-hmm. She was definitely aware. Um, So, yeah, I, it was very interesting because he appeared to be trying to frame Christian. Mm-hmm. And... Um, again, at that point I was like, but it's not (laughs) like that. So I just felt toward the end as all this was happening, that there was a lot of whiplash. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do find the diary hidden within the painting, which he didn't like the painting. 
So he didn't look in it. He tore everything apart. He was trying to find where it was and didn't want to, you know. Just... It was stuck in the corner of the wood frame or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And so the police did find it mm-hmm. and were able to understand his connection to this murder. Um. And yeah, I just felt a lot of whiplash, I guess. Well, it happens so fast because it every couple chapters it's his story, then Alicia's story, then his story, then Alicia's story. And his story, the way he ends is the way he ends his "quote unquote" past story is walking to a house with a garden, and then you're like, "Wait, this is the description of Alicia's house." So he doesn't outright say what the twist is. You have to like infer it immediately because the very next page is like the downfall of everything. It happens so fast; it's 100 percent whiplash. You're just like, I remember rereading it, thinking either at first I thought. I was going to find out that Theo was so crazy that he just told us everything wrong or something was misinterpreted. And then I was like, oh, this whole story that he's been telling takes place before the book I'm reading. Like, right. it's it's just like, it hits so hard and fast. You have so much to compute and re-piece together because everything you know is now a lie. So it took me, like, rereading a few sentences back and forth, like, oh, crap. Like, every- I have to change all my opinions. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because we had heard or, you know, through her diary, her point of view of being followed and watched and, oh, there's a man in my art shed and there's someone in the window. And then he's, it's his perspective. And yeah, I didn't at first realize that they were the same moments because in my mind, hers were past and his were present. Yep. But then they were not necessarily that. They were exactly at the same time. Which was, yeah. And there was no, like... No, like, you know, time shift or, like, two months earlier or anything like that. It was just like, oh, we're present day. He's her doctor. Also, when I go home, these things happen at night. (laughs) Yeah, and so I was just like, I don't understand how he can be her doctor and also be her stalker. Yeah. Or, or, you know, someone watching her. Um, So, yeah, very interesting. I think that's pretty much all the notes that I had on it. Um, Do you want to just jump into our ratings? Sure. What did you give the book? I said it was a four out of five. Okay. Because it was really good. Um, I liked all the characters. They were complex enough that they felt... They weren't just one thing. They weren't just the empathetic therapist. They weren't just the bad brother-in-law. There was more to them. Um, And I do like the um, kind of attachment that the author does to Greek philosophy. He is Greek. um, And his other book, The Maidens, also has connections to Greek tragedies Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, And it's something I don't know a lot about. So that was interesting for me. But the reason it's a four and out of five, um, even though I couldn't stop reading it, I read, you know, it very quickly, was a lot of those points that we had mentioned. So, like, the the sudden whiplash, which was great, but also, like, I wasn't sure what was happening. And the hospital just, like, not having no standards. <laughs> and, like, like, you know, we mentioned she got her art supplies back and she stabbed someone in the eye within, like, you know, 12 hours. Yeah, it doesn't hours. take long. Yeah. Provoked, and that, and that, and the character that provokes her is just the worst, unfortunately. But 
Yeah, still not the greatest. Yeah, they're still, you know, in a in a hospital, a facility like that. There should be some standards in place across the board. <clears throat> and um, it was the grove was already going downhill. Yes, and so like there, there, they had already set up like, hey, we know it's not the greatest place, um, but like, I guess to me the next question would be like, why would you send this really high profile case? To a place that can't handle. Her. Yeah, was like was the Grove really high end seven years ago, and if so, how did it go downhill so fast? Right. So yeah, it was amazing, mm-hmm. and I I hope that the author writes more. Um, I definitely recommend it, and I would be interested to hear more people's take on it and yeah. how they felt. But there was there was those things where I was just like, well, how did that? That doesn't that doesn't sit right for me. Like, how did the police not do any investigation? So this will be interesting then, because of my reading. I gave it a five, which you have said is rare. Yes, a few things happened. Right when I finished reading it, I actually texted you asking how far you were because I wanted to know if I could talk about the twist yet. Um, I gave it a five. What I did next was I went online to read reviews of the books. Yeah, and. I did the one thing I always try not to do, and I let other people's opinions affect mine, and I dropped it down to a four-star because people were like, well, why the whole investigation? Why this? Why that? I'm like, oh, yeah, those are really bad plot holes, potentially. Maybe this isn't the five-star book. And then I had to remind myself, because even on Goodreads, I changed it from a five to a four. Mm. And then I was writing up my... I was copying my notes over to our Google Docs, and I was like, how did I feel while I read the book and when I finished. And you know, I was clearly very excited. I yes. was like, this was an awesome read. So why then would I change my review to a four because other people said this, this, and that? Right. Those weren't my initial thoughts. So I bumped it back up to a five. I think all those thoughts were the... It's the same reason you gave it a four. You had the same questions, you know, why the investigation, why the hospital issues, etc. Those were all the same thoughts. People were like, oh, well, he knew everything. So this makes no sense. This is a plot hole. This is a plot hole. In reality, every book you read in your entire life is going to have a plot hole. Right. and It's some, impossible not to. Some of them will stick out more to certain people than others. Yes. So, like, my, I have a lot of family who work in hospitals, and so those things were glaring to me. It's like doctor shows. If a real doctor yeah. watches it, they're going to be like, <laughs> no. That doesn't mean all of a sudden it's a one-star show. It's just, like, liberties were taken. Yep. Or the story is... This is a complex enough story that to find a loophole wouldn't be... Or to find um. A plot hole wouldn't be hard. Right. So I bumped it back up to a five based on my own opinion and my own thoughts immediately after finishing it. I'm not saying you shouldn't look back and review your own thoughts and then make a review. That's completely fine okay. But I just remember having a ton of fun reading it. So I was like, no, this is just going to be a five. I can't let anything else influence me. I think that is awesome. Yeah. Any final thoughts or any books that you're getting ready to read? Um, One... The books I listed earlier are the ones that I'm currently reading, so I'm yeah, you're working in, on those. Yeah, a few of those. Um, but I guess I have one question for you mm-hmm. is, would you like to borrow The Maidens and read another Alex Michaelides book? Oh, yeah, the one in the same universe. Yeah, I would probably definitely read that. I'm very curious. So here's... Actually, I didn't mention this, but it was in my notes. The publisher of this is called Celadon. Okay. Did you read the last page of the book? Mm. There's, it's, it's just about Celadon and it was like, this is like, uh, it says Celadon Publishing founded 2017, uh, publishes a highly curated, uh, selection of books 
between 20 to 25 books a year. And I, I was just like, I've never heard a publisher that was like very selective, only did these many books a year. They have to be of a certain standard or quality. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, I remember looking at it and being like, huh. But like, I didn't think anything of it. Other yeah, than like, I was like, I need to Google this publishing company and see what else they put out. Because they're only doing like 20-ish books a year. I wonder like what other things they're like, because this, this is my first book by this publishing company. Because they're probably a general fiction publishing company, but I don't know. But I'm going to look into more of their books because I'm curious. So if The Maidens is one of them, I'm definitely interested in that. So I'm going to continue Zodiac Academy um, series. I'm also continuing Bridgerton. And there is a series that we haven't talked about on here yet. The one I'm about to read, I believe, is called Five Five Dark Fates or whatever. But basically, it is um, a series by Kendra Blake. And it's about three princesses who basically uh, have to fight to the death. And one of whoever wins is the queen. Very Hunger Games. Um, but Very they, Darker Shade of Magic. <laughs> that too. Um, but they all have powers and they live on this island. And the island... Um, so every queen has three triplets. The triplets then fight to the death. The next queen has three triplets. And so it's a cycle that's happened for generations and generations. It's just known there's definitely going to be three triplets. Yes. I guess triplets. Yeah. yeah. Triplets. <laughs> they're going to have triplets. And the triplets, when they're born, um, have a ability. So um, there's like an ability to control, to have a like companion creature. Um, and the bigger the creature, the more powerful you are. Um, one is to be... Um, they're called poisoners, so they can ingest poison and not have a reaction. And the more poison you can have, um, the more powerful you are. Okay. And then there's one that controls um, elements. And the more elements you can control, the more powerful you are. And so these princesses are hypothetically super, super powerful and have to fight to the death. But then two of them, and they're split up when they're like five, so they have memories of each other. Okay. And two of them decide like, no, we still love each other and we're not going to fight to the death. And so then you kind of see this, like... And that's where the story comes into play. <laughs> yeah, you see the fallout from it, and they try and escape, but then they have to go back to the island, and you find out that the abilities that they were assigned by their mother when they're born may not actually be the right abilities. Because, like, how do you even know? Your child is born, it's just there, and you're like, oh, poison, you know, poisoner. Oh, you know, elemental. Like, all it's done, all the child has done at that point is be born. Yeah. So I'm not sure what what happens there, but literally the mother like has these triplets and then is shipped off. She never sees them again. Is this one book? Um, so it's five total and I'm on the fourth and I've been slowly working my way through it. Everything's a series. It's so hard now. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit tired of having to like, that's that's all I'm really reading. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I So realistically speaking, because this is my final week before vacation... I think I'm going to get away with two books before our next recording. One is going to be our buddy book, which we'll talk about in a second. Yep. And the other one, I think, is going to be Dune. Oh. Oh, so we're going um, big. <laughs> yeah. So, because I'm almost done with the Dresden Files novel. Um, it's a very quick read. So, I think my goal is to do Dune before I leave, because I want something more casual to read when I'm on vacation and not to think too hard. Yeah, fair. Because I, I know Dune's going to be dense so i'll try to do that this weekish and then bring our buddy book with me nice 
And huh. speaking of buddy book, yeah. uh, do you have, it's called The Atlas Six. Yep. Do you have the author? Uh, I don't know why. Olivia, Olivia Blake. Okay. Olivia or Olivier Blake. Yeah. Uh, the Atlas Six is going to be interesting. It's a self-published book that got big enough that I guess you could just find it in regular stores now. And Amazon did pick it up as a upcoming TV show. So yeah. good timing for it. Yeah, very excited to read it. Um, it is, my understanding is it is a series. It is, it is the only book that exists right now. And a second book is known to come out. Yes. Whether or not there's supposed to be more, we do not know. So we're going to dive into that in our next episode. Please rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Follow us at PaperQuest Podcast on Instagram and definitely leave us a comment or review so we know what books you're reading and what you'd like to hear from us in the future. We also have PaperQuest Podcast on Facebook and you can email questions, comments, concerns to paperquestpod at gmail.com. Until next time. Bye.